Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. You know, you hear me say this every day, but I am always so thankful that you listen and that you send it to your friends and help us change the world one person at a time as we really become healthier and more whole and more healed and cause people to be more drawn to us because of what Christ has done in our life. So if you didn't get to hear the show yesterday, I want to encourage you to listen to it because we had a special guest. His name is um, Greg Kelly, and he is the executive director of World Mission. And their objective is to really impact unreached people. And he really clarified that the unreached, the true term unreached means They have no access to the Bible, no access to Christianity. They've never, ever heard it, and they don't have Christians around them. And he was talking about there's 7,000 languages, and they make this solar Bible so that people can listen to it in an audible version. 7,000 languages. And there are 2 billion unreached people. And he gave us some great um, stories of miracles about what happens to people in these different people groups that actually accept Christ. They get stoned, they get ostracized, they get cut out of their inheritance. I mean, they really suffer. They can really suffer for Christ. But the suffering for Christ is better than just suffering. And so we are really talking this week about suffering. And then we're going to also talk about how we can truly live, how we can come out of this. But we will always have hardship here on earth because Jesus has not returned yet and we're not in heaven. We get glimpses of heaven, and I've told you before, for some people that do not know Christ or reject him, this is heaven for them because they they are going to hell. And so we are living in a really hard world, but we do get to go to heaven. And so I, I, I titled this, My Name is Suffering, because there have been times in my life where I thought, that fits me better than Cynthia. <laughs> I think I should call myself suffering, because I've suffered. And I love this quote by Billy Graham, and I was so sad to hear that he passed, 99 years old. And this is what Billy Graham said, Comfort and prosperity have never enriched the world as much as adversity has. And so I often tell my clients, my friends, myself, if there's anything good in a person, pain will find it out. Because pain really reveals who we are. Suffering reveals who we truly are. And so when we look at the book of Job, this is a book on suffering. We all suffer. We all are suffering. This is why the story of Job in the Bible is so relevant. So let me tell you what happened 
to our brother Job because he suffered in every way. Thousands of years ago, this man Job was a follower and a worshiper of the Lord. He obeyed his commandments. He lived a righteous life. And then a very interesting thing happened. So listen to this story as I read this. And this is a conversation between Satan and God. This is fascinating. This is Job chapter 1, and it's verse 1 through 22 out of the Message Bible. And it says, Job was a man who lived in, in Uz, or Uz. I'm not ever sure how they pronounce it. It's U-Z. And he was honest inside and out, and a man of his word. He was totally devoted to God and hated evil with a passion. He had seven sons, three daughters. He was extremely wealthy. 7,000 head of sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 teams of oxen, 500 donkeys, a huge staff of servants, and he was the most influential man in the East. His sons used to take turns hosting parties in their homes, always inviting their three sisters to join them in the merrymaking. When the parties were over, Job would get up early in the morning, sacrifice a burnt offering for each of his children, thinking, Maybe one of them sinned by defying God inwardly. So Job made it a habit of this sacrificial atonement just in case his kids had sinned. So not only was he so honest, so righteous, but he really covered his family. So here's the first test Job had to deal with. This is family and fortune. So verse 6, one day when the angels came to report to God, Satan, who was the designated accuser, came along with them. God singled them out, Satan, and said, Satan, what have you been up to? And Satan answered God, going here and there, checking things out on earth. And God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? Now take a moment and pause. I want to be called a friend of God. I would love it if my life was in a place where God would say to Satan, hmm, have you noticed my friend Cynthia? And so let's get back to the chapter. Have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him, honest and true to his word, totally devoted to me and hating evil. And Satan retorted, So do you think Job does all of that out of the sheer goodness of his heart? Why, no. He's had it so good. You pamper him like a pet. Make sure nothing bad happens to him or his family or his possessions. You bless everything he does. He can't lose. But what do you think would happen if you reached down and took away everything that he has? He'd curse you right to your face. That's what he'd do. And God replied, we'll see. Go ahead. Do what you want with all that is his. Just don't hurt him. So Satan left the presence of God. Sometime later, while Job's children were having one of their parties at the home of the oldest son, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys grazing in the field next to us was attacked by the Sabaeans. They stole the animals. They killed the field hands. I'm the only one to get out alive and to tell you what happened. So while he was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, Bolts of lightning struck the sheep and the shepherds and fried seven 
thousand of them burned them to a crisp. I'm the only one to get out alive and tell you what happened. While that guy was still talking, another messenger arrived and said, the Chaldeans coming from three directions raided the camels, massacred the camel drivers. I'm the only one that came out alive to tell you what happened. While that guy was talking, another messenger arrived and said, your children were having a party at home with the oldest brother. When a tornado swept in off the desert, struck the house, it collapsed on all the young people, and they died. I'm the only one to come out alive and tell you what happened. Job got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground and worshipped. Every time I read that verse, I'm stunned. See, I keep thinking it should say, Job got to his feet, ripped his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground crying in desperation and depression and confusion. But what did Job do? He fell to the ground and he worshipped. And this is what he said. Naked I come, naked I came from my mother's womb. Naked I'll return to the womb of the earth. God gives, God takes. God's name be ever blessed. That's an amazing man. What a great example of a human that loves God. He said, God gives, God takes. God's name be ever blessed. When actually Satan's the one taking all of this. But Job knew that God was still in control. And he said, God's name be ever blessed. Not once through all of this did Job sin. Not once did he blame God. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'll be honest with you. I wish that I could have, I could be this, this pure, this uh, righteous, because there have been times in my life when I was like, I think God hates me. Like, where is God in all this? Where, where is God? All this stuff is happening to me. Where is God? And so let's listen to this. So that's the first test that Job had, and that's how he responded. So here's the second. This is Job chapter 2. This is verses 1 through 10. The second test was his health. So he's lost everything. His children, his wealth, all his possessions. He's lost everything. Tangible. And so this is, this is chapter 2, verse 1. He says, one day when the angels came to report to God, Satan also showed up again, right? God singled out Satan, saying, and what have you been up to? Satan answered God, oh, going here and there, checking things out. Then God said to Satan, have you noticed my friend Job? There's no one quite like him. Honest, true to his word, totally devoted to God and hating evil. He still has a firm grip on his integrity. You tried to trick me into destroying him, but it didn't work. Okay, I'm going to read that one more time. He still has a firm grip on his integrity. You tried to trick me into destroying him, but it didn't work. I mean, this is a wow moment. Satan is not only the accuser, but he's also the deceiver. He's so arrogant, he even tried to deceive God. And God said, you tried? It didn't work. And so Satan answered. He said, a human would do anything to save his life. But what do you think would happen if you reached down and took away his health, 
He'd curse you to your face. That's what. God said, all right, go ahead. You can do what you like with him. But mind you, don't kill him. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like, oh my gosh, everything is destroyed, everything is lost, and I'm still living? Why am I still alive? What do I have to live for? And this is an amazing thing when God says, okay, do what you like with him. But mind you, don't kill him. See, God is still in control. And this is a God that, this is amazing when you think about the battle between the two of them. God always wins, and God always wants to prove who we are. And see, that was a kind of scary revelation I had. This was years and years ago when I wrote this particular um, message. That God always is proving who I am. And it helped me to look at hardship in a very different manner. Instead of feeling like it's victimizing me, I went, oh, it's revealing me. That's what's going on. And if there's anything good in me, this will reveal it. And I will come out stronger, and I will come out better. And I will prove to Satan who God is. And that God is the ruler of me. So let's get back to this. So this is chapter this is chapter two, verse starting at verse seven. He says, Satan left God and struck Job with terrible sores. Job had ulcers and scabs from head to foot. They itched and oozed so badly that he took a piece of broken pottery to scrape himself. Then he went and sat on a trash heap among the ashes. Now, I can kind of relate to that. I have not been afflicted in that manner. But I have many times felt like I just want to go sit in, in, a, in a dump, in a trash heap, and put ashes on my head, dirt on my head. And so it's amazing when you think about this. Because now his wife comes into the picture. And she says, you're still holding on to your precious integrity, are you? Curse God and be done with it. Now, remember, last week we talked about influence. And we talked about how Eve influenced Adam. And Adam was influenced, right? He ate the apple with her. But this woman, she says, she's taunting her husband. She's saying, you're still holding on to your precious integrity, are you? Curse God and be done with it. So we as women, we want to follow in the footsteps of Job's wife, okay? We do not want to do this. Rather, let us encourage, continue to encourage the men in our life to trust in the Lord and his providence. If they're being attacked by the enemy, if they're failing, if they're floundering, if they didn't make a good decision, we don't want to be Job's wife, and taunt them and say, well, you know what, why don't you just give up and die? Or stop, you know, don't, stop trying to, to do whatever the, the, the issue that they're trying to overcome, whatever battle they have taken on and they're not winning. Because this is what Job told her. This is really important. He told her, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. 
We take the good days from God. Why not also the bad days? This is a good man. So when we think about men of influence, you need to hold the line. You need to hold the standard regardless of what the circumstances are. You need to be that immovable object that does not cave. So he says, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. I mean, he had the energy to say this when he's sitting in a trash heap with oozing scabs and ulcerous sores. He said, you're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God. Why not also the bad days? And not once through all of this did Job sin. He said nothing against God. So yet again, Job said nothing against God. I mean, that's a bit, wow, that's... So now we have some more characters that come on the scene. And this is, now three of Job's friends heard about his trouble, and they traveled from their own country and went together to keep him company and comfort him. Now, if you know anything about these three men that came and also about Job, they were the most intelligent, powerful, um, educated men in their own country. So these are like the, these four guys are the big guys in the region of the land here. And so they traveled together to keep him company and comfort him. And when they first saw a sight of him, they couldn't believe it. They hardly recognized him. They cried out. They ripped their robes. They dumped dirt on their heads. Because in, in, in those times, this is how people expressed grief. They sat on the ground for seven days and seven nights without saying a word. They could see how rotten he felt. This is, this is incredible. And so they, they saw how rotten he felt, how deeply he was suffering. Unfortunately, that didn't last very long. Because when we read chapter after chapter of his friends, each one, one at a time, telling him that he must have done something wrong, that this is, the, this is only happening to him because he deserved it. See, they could only be good friends for seven days. Seven days. And then they had to start problem solving, figuring things out, finding a source, finding, you know. And, and so they said he was proud and arrogant. And all the while, Job is only asking God for answers. And that's an important statement. A lot of times we just continue to go horizontally instead of vertically. So all the while, Job is only asking God for answers. He goes straight to the top to God himself and asks, what have I done wrong? I will repent. Tell me how I have sinned. What did I do to deserve this? I mean, I have felt that way many times. And feeling that just as Job, you could be considered an individual devoted to God. So even if you're feeling like, God, are you trying to reveal something in my life? Have I done something I don't understand? Do I deserve this? Well, and that is somebody after God's own heart. And just as the test comes, right? The first test was losing his family, all his fortune. So maybe you've lost family members to a terrible disease or to murder or suicide. And you prayed to God and you asked God to heal them. And he didn't. Maybe you lost your job, lost your livelihood. Maybe you were fired unfairly, or maybe you were stolen from or tricked into investing money. So maybe you can relate to the second test, though. 
The first test is losing everything. The second test was Job's health. So he's covered in boils to the point of scraping them off with pot shards, cursing the day he was born, but not God. So are you struggling with health issues that cannot seem to be solved? Are you in pain and not knowing how to find relief? Well, this is what Job cries out to God in in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, Job spoke up and cursed his fate. He did not curse God, though. And farther down in the chapter, in 23, it says, what's the point of life when it doesn't make sense, when God blocks all the roads or meaning? And in verse 26, he laments, saying, my repose is shattered. My peace is destroyed. There's no rest for me ever. Death has invaded my life. I mean, this is a man that cannot conceive of the life he now has compared to the life he started with. Overnight, hell reigned on this man's life. And in chapter 7, verse 7, he says to God, Remember, O God, my life is but a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. So have you ever felt like that? My life is just a breath. My eyes will never see happiness again. God, do you remember me? And so have you ever felt like Job saying, you know, what's the point? I mean, what's the purpose of all this suffering? I wish I had never been born. Well, you're in good company. Because Job was the most righteous man on earth that that we've ever seen, we've ever known. Well, Billy Graham was pretty righteous, but not quite like Job. So think about this. Even if Job were sinning, which we know he had, he was at some level simply because he was human. But God was not considering his humanity and how he was dealing with all that sin because he was still living a righteous life. If you're doing the right things and if he messed up, he repented. He regularly offered sacrifices to the Lord for himself and his family. Besides, I mean, does anyone deserve all that he got? Would you punish your children in this way? Of course not. So what's going on here? Why do bad things happen to good people? Well, because there's an accuser, and Satan is real, and he is out to destroy you. And the more you love God, the more he wants to harm you. But he's stupid. He's stupid in how arrogant he is. That what we know about Christians is that when, the, when really hardship happens, this is when we show it better. Anytime Christians are persecuted, they get stronger. I, I, now, I wish there was a different way to get stronger. I wish there was a different way to be refined. But God knows you're a sinner, and he also knows your heart, and he's not angry because you're struggling with sin. You see, remember, God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. But God is on your side. God loves you deeply, and he sees you and knows you completely and is completely devoted to you. So thank you for joining me today. 
We're going to continue to talk about this amazing story and suffering and what it means to really suffer and have to find out how to live. I pray you have a great day. Join me tomorrow and check out the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.